0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: Well, I've been thinking about... um... Oh, By the way, welcome. (laughs) Welcome, everyone. It's so great to have you all here. Thank you for coming. It's just nice to see all your faces again. We're forming kind of a sangha here, or we have formed one. And if any of you are new, well, a special welcome to you. Nice to see you. Yes. I can't see everyone. My big computer wouldn't work today, so I can only see a few little squares here. But uh, I see someone who just waved to me. So a special welcome. And welcome. Um, to let you know that we do have small groups that um, have been uh, quite supportive to many people to get together in an intimate setting, you know, four, five, six, seven of us, and we share share what's happening in our lives together. We do some uh, Dharma discussion together and, uh, I think we all leave those groups feeling a little bit better than when we, than when we began. So, if you'd like to, if you're interested in something like that, please just write to the uh, IMC Senior Sangha and let us know, and we'll see about getting you into a group. And what we've been discussing a lot in these groups these uh, these last couple of weeks is resting, resting in ourselves, resting in being ourselves, resting in awareness. Um, I've told this story many times about this (coughs) rabbi Zuzia. When he was dying, very beloved rabbi, all of his congregants were around him and he was crying and they were beseeching him. Zuzia, Zuzia, why are you crying? What's going on? Are you afraid that when you get to the gates of heaven, God will say, Zuzia, why were you not more courageous like Abraham? Why were you not more, you know, full of integrity and led your people through vicissitudes like Moses? And he just shook his head and just kept shaking his head. And he said, no, that's not why I'm crying. I'm crying because God may say to me, Zuzia, why were you not more like Zuzia? So what does it mean to be yourself? I think that has a, um, those words, be yourself, has a uh, kind of a, a somatic, you have a somatic sense of that, a, kind of a somatic uh, relaxation comes over us when we think of, oh, I can just be myself. And why, he, why are we not ourselves so much of the time? when it feels just so good to be yourself. Some woman in a small group was talking about just sitting with her cat on her lap. And the cat was purring, that's when she felt really herself. So nice. so why do we betray this so much? Why do we betray ourselves so much? We live with this ignorance, this confusion that we need to be something other than what we are, that what we are isn't enough, that we have to be something in other people's eyes. We have to be something special. We have to achieve something special. We have to be something different than what we are. And we keep running this race, running this race, and we never win. We never get to the end of the race. It's like a marathon that never ends. Proving ourselves to others. Trying to be something special, successful, whatever. Trying to create a self But none of these pursuits of a better self have ever created any lasting happiness for us. So, maybe the greatest kindness we can have for ourselves the greatest compassion we can have for our other self for ourselves is like forget it drop it it doesn't matter drop all this nonsense just allow whatever is to be maybe there is really not a self but we have experiences and if we relax into whatever is here and just allow ourselves to be like sitting in a chair with our cat or whatever makes you feel at home with yourself, allow that more and more of the time in more and more situations. That kind of allowing is a great kindness. So let's try this a little bit in um, meditation. So, if you could uh, take a uh, loosely erect, comfortable meditation posture. relax When I use the word relax I don't mean to become something else than what you are I don't mean to create some other special state more like just allow Just allow whatever is happening to happen. And just sit. Here. Being yourself. Almost like not even meditating. making no effort at all, and feeling whatever you feel, everything is allowed. Coming into the body, Bringing a a kind intention to this. May I have the ease of an open heart. And wishing that for your loved ones. Maybe think of a loved one or a group of loved ones and wishing that for them. Looking at them, looking at them right in front of you and wishing them, may you have the ease of an open heart. And wishing this for all beings May all beings have the ease of an open heart. All beings on both sides of the political aisle. May all races May all beings, regardless of their sexuality, the powerful, the not powerful, the rich, the poor, the famous, the not so famous, may all beings have the ease of an open heart. And then come back to myself. Being at home with myself. allowing whatever feelings you're feeling. talk about rest and relaxation, we think there has to be some special feeling, some special experience we need to have. But here, there's no experience we need to have other than what's happening in this moment. Drop the effort. Just rest naturally. I've had enough of this ignorance and confusion. Chasing after this and that. Trying to become this and that. Caring about all the wrong things. This life that is rapidly deteriorating. Now I just want to be myself, forget all of that nonsense and feel the kindness in this. the kindness and I don't have to judge myself anymore. And if we judge, I don't have to judge the judge anymore. Being kind, even to the judge, just wanting to Give it all up. Kindly allowing this groundless, selfless feel to open up. Open to everything. When we meditate, we often think that distraction is the enemy, is the obstacle. where we don't have to worry about that. If the mind wanders, let it wander. If you get lost for a while, just get lost. Who cares? Allow your mind to leave. To wander off. And trust that it will come back. It always has.
2: It always will.
1: And always will. To allow this process to unfold naturally. Just let whatever is happening to happen and feel the generosity to yourself in this. Let the kindness pervade your body. The love pervade your body. Enough, and I've always been enough, giving up all concepts, all expectations. giving up all worries and concerns about the future and the past and just relaxing into yourself. What Zuzia longed for. What we long for. to be free of our ignorance and all of the stress and suffering unnecessary. And if you notice in this relaxed, effortless, easeful, natural state. If you notice the radiance of awareness, that's a big bonus. If your body is calm, let it be calm. If your body is agitated, let it be agitated. See if you can be kind to yourself more of the time. Maybe reflect on what you're going to do today or what you're going to be doing the next few days. And see if you can bring this kindness of allowing yourself to some of those or many of those activities. Why not? Okay, when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here and thank you for meditating. Just as this is such a great gift that we can give to ourselves, Relax and be at home with ourselves. What a gift! How generous, how kind. We can give this gift to others as well. Let them be themselves, allow them to be themselves. without needing something from them or expecting something from them, wanting something from them. Just let them be themselves. Give them that gift. That's compassion. That's love. That's just being. Especially uh, to your loved ones. It's great to have this global for all beings to be happy but when it really counts is with your loved ones with your intimate, with everyone but making it a point with people that you're close to your friends your grandchildren your children allow them to be who they are give them that gift a gift of peace and ease with you. Know that inside, this person that's so close to you, inside, they're just like you. They're identical to you. They want to be free. They want even, though, even if they're not conscious of it, they long to just be themselves. How nice it would be if they could just be themselves, have the ease of an open, relaxed heart. So see if you can see into them and know them, see them. And see how maybe you can help them in some way. Maybe helping them just by being yourself with them by being at ease with them. Like a good grandpa looks at grandchildren playing. So, um, as a prompt for discussion, consider this this um, This concept, it is a concept, even though we can embody it, of being yourself and and how, what situations are you, mostly yourself? What are the conditions for that? Why, Why is that so? And maybe how can you be extend this, be more like yourself, more at home in other situations in your life. So that's that's about three or four ideas right there. So just pick out one or two and and let's break up into small groups and discuss that for just a little while. I kind of went on on too long. Sorry. <clears throat> so Chris will break you up into breakout break groups now and can discuss this. Okay,
0: here we go.
3: We've got 12 minutes.
1: So uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you uh, what you shared about being yourself, uh, any 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 uh, reflections around that uh, would be an act of generosity to us to share yourselves with us. So please, and I, Chris, I can't see people because I've
4: got this small screen. Well, so can you? Just, yeah,
0: just unmute yourself and speak if you want to speak.
4: I made two new friends. Um. I was sharing that yesterday, David, in our small group, I had said that my home, um, where I felt myself and the most comfortable, was being alone in my home. And I have been for many, many years. Um, And I remember when I did say that, uh, uh, um, that David's face began to look A little sad for me (laughs) and I thought oh my uh, you know maybe this is not a a good thing to feel and um, so I mentioned that just now in our chat with my two new friends and um, and they just made me feel so so good as they described their home and so much of their own homes um, were very much like mine Uh, Not totally like mine, but so much like mine that it made me feel, uh, and I'm not sure that David uh, was even responding to what I was saying. He might have just been thinking his own thoughts. But obviously, I'm a reactive person and very interested in what others think of me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, thank you.
1: I was not. Feeling sad for you, Fred. I was appreciating appreciating you.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Please.
5: In our little group, we talked about um, the time of this time being uh, filled with less distraction and more chance to have patience and to be really connected with, you know, uh, uh, our own lives and be it in Maine or here in the Bay area, just the appreciation, I think, for having, uh, you know, the, the spiritual practice and having things simpler around you and,
3: Um, just having a chance to be relaxed and with yourself. So Mm -hmm. more or less, that's what I got out of our group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you, Diana.
5: So our group, um, we talked a, uh, a little bit about what we, David had talked about in our small group this week about, uh, acceptance acceptance of who we are and you know being comfortable with that and non-judgmental but with that and um the other great quote that our we had three people um and the woman had a good great quote that said uh what other people think of you is none of your business. And I just thought that was great.
1: (laughs) That's wonderful. Thank you.
0: Abraham has
6: his hand raised. Please,
1: just unmute yourself, please.
6: Hi. Thank you. Um, Our group, uh We were talking a little bit about what it means to be yourself and not to be yourself, and then the question of uh, what is often referred to as not self and some confusion around that or um, and I just thought it's very been very helpful when I heard Gil, our teacher at i m c talk about that the actual translation of that is not no self, it's not self. What is not self? <laughs> not so much a discussion or an attempt to get to a place where there is no self. And so one of the people was talking about, you know, just going to Trader Joe's and, you know, the, the, um, the force that society puts on you to be a certain way, which, which I would think is more kind of not the self that I really care about. You know, the self that I care about is the connection with other people, uh, Mm -hmm. has a more spiritual feeling. So I just thought it was interesting that your question, David, brought up some stuff about, well, what is the self and what self do I want to present? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you.
0: And maybe do I I need to present a self? (laughs) I mean, I feel like as I'm getting older, I um, feel more comfortable just saying what I think and um, being myself. It just feels like something that I'm growing into, I guess I would say. Um, And everyone, we had a kind of a theme in our group, which was that, um, I mean, I don't know that we all voice this but several people did that we're very comfortable um, being with ourselves and of course that's what's drawing us to meditation and we love retreats you know <laughs> so anyway that was one of our common commonalities
1: <clears throat> we uh, get lots of time to be with ourselves on retreats yes, for true. better and for worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> I have a, uh, something I got in the uh, an email today it's about why meditate. <clears throat> Our real weakness is thinking that we are not good enough mm-hmm. and that there is some outside security that you have to find. Mm -hmm. if you feel that somebody else has the sanity and you were messed up, then you think that you have to become like someone else rather than becoming yourself. When through the practice of meditation, you realize this is what you've been doing. (laughs) Then your life becomes real and workable because it's been workable all along. Very good. Well, yeah. Um, so, um, thank you all. Thank you for your wonderful responses and reflections. And, um, you know, I hope you keep this in mind almost like a koan. Um, am I being myself right now? And why not? If I'm, if I'm not, why not? Why not just be myself? Am I being myself? as a little, maybe a mantra, be myself, be at home and feel the kindness in that. So now we get to hear the wonderful wisdom of of Robert. So please, please continue with us,
7: Robert. Thank you. Okay. All right, everyone. It's very nice to be here with all of you. Let me adjust my screen here, get it on gallery view, so I can look around and see all of you. All of you wonderful people who've lived a long life to get us to this point, and and then find us asking the question: Can we be who we are? Can we be ourselves? Well, I, I say, better late than never. So, so <clears throat> I was really touched by David's talk and his meditation uh, this morning. It, it, I mentioned to him in the, while you were in the breakout rooms that he actually took me to a place of deep relaxation that I didn't expect and um, haven't touched for such a long time so it was really quite beautiful so I want to sort of piggyback on on what he was saying and and come at it from another uh, perspective (laughs) so I, I will start with just a few thoughts and um This whole pandemic business has really had a profound impact on so many people. So like so many others, we've all had to find um, new ways to accommodate and adjust adjust to the changing conditions uh, that make the access to compassion so obviously and vitally important in these times and in the different worlds that we all live in today. So some of those adjustments really are quite simple. They're just being in different parts of the state or the country or the Bay or the world. And there are folks who might have, I don't know where everyone is from, but I know in the past people have joined us from Europe and Asia or elsewhere. And people are in different time zones, so we have to adjust to these time zone differences. And then there's just this reality of Zoom. It's a whole new way of communicating with one another that wasn't available to us really in such a global way before last March. I remember when the pandemic closed things down in early March, I was teaching a class and one day I gave a class and the next day I got a notice that there was nobody allowed in the building and everything basically changed on a dime. And suddenly we had to figure out how to teach using Zoom. So I say it's a big adjustment that we've all had to go through and thank goodness for Zoom. And I also want to say that in spite of sitting here in front of a computer screen by ourselves, alone, literally, we're spread out far and wide across the Bay or California or America or the world. I'm also really confident that we can all sense into being part of this community that's been growing here, this beautiful community of like-minded individuals Uh, with the wisdom and the experience and really the agency to thrive. And maybe even I I want to plant a seed, maybe even to change the world. So I'd like to give a shout out to each of you. Some of you come every month. Some of you come when you can, some of you are new, but each one who's participated in these, these monthly uh, sessions has has played an important role in co-creating the community that we've actually uh, developed here. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. So, so having said that and, and, in some indirect way, pointing to the role that each person plays and the importance of the role that each person plays, I'd like us to take an opportunity to just pause for just for a moment to pause, to think about and consider your own unfolding path. Most of us our seniors. I think most of all of us are seniors. So we've lived a long life. Just think about the path that we've walked on in our life. Consider how you've grown. And I want to suggest, I want you to think about all the goodness that you've created in the world during your lifetime. Think about the people whom you've touched directly and indirectly with seeds of loving kindness and compassion, seeds that you've planted, whether you intended to or not. It's nice when we know we're planting them, but sometimes just by being who we are, we are planting these seeds. And at the same time, I want to say, yes, I know we've all made mistakes and we've done things that we've regretted doing or we've left things undone that we wish we hadn't left undone. And yet, over the years, many of us have also cultivated real expertise and being hard on ourselves, really hard on ourselves, sometimes even cruel. It's both and, giving the best in us and beating the hell out of ourselves. So I want to suggest that this doesn't mean that we're flawed or broken, nor does it separate us in silos of isolation. It is part of what actually connects us to one another and the messiness and truth of our common humanity. We are really in this all together. So I wanna say that you've not lived in vain, no matter how you consider the trajectory of your life. You've made a difference and no matter whether We live for another day or a year or long into the future. We'll continue to make a difference. And maybe we even have a lot more yet to offer to the world. Just let that thought resonate in you. Let yourself feel the possibility. So... I want to give a shout out again to every one of you for making this moment of opening to being open, to growing, to really continuing to look at what is true for you. Who am I really? How can I relax into just simply being here? You're all remarkable human beings and the world needs each and every one of you. So part of the way that we bring ourselves, I think, I'll speak for myself. <clears throat> part of the way that I bring myself um, with more and more skill into my daily life is through the cultivation of the quality of compassion. You all know that I teach compassion. So this isn't a surprise to many of you, but really the the development of self-compassion is something that um, it bears looking at carefully and, i've 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 done a lot of studies around this, but what it really comes down to is that it's recognized through the cultivation of awareness without awareness we don't know when self compassion has arisen and while we might benefit from it, the benefit isn't as great as if it's conscious. So I want to talk a little bit about self-compassion. And um, and then I want to give you all a chance to um, spend some time thinking about it and talking about it with one another. But what I want to say is that comp- self-compassion is recognized through the cultivation of awareness, as I just said it's a response to our own suffering and our own stress and the confusion that we get swept away by whenever we fall into a state of wanting things to be different than they actually are. And when we don't recognize that that is what we're experiencing in that moment, when things really challenge us and we wish that they were different, we sort of are triggered and we don't recognize that we're triggered and we will eventually come back. Yes, that's great. And that's true and that's really comforting, but there is a a certain skill that can be, cultivated when we recognize that the state of being triggered is different from the state of being in presence with ourselves. So simply bringing awareness to that very moment of experience when we lose ourselves, when we're triggered by something, when we're seduced by something, when we're pulled away by it simply bringing awareness to that very moment of experience is in itself enough to awaken self-compassion. So really, my friends, it's that simple and direct. But as we all know, it's not easy. It takes practice, and it takes patience, and it takes kindness, and it takes the willingness to screw up over and over and over again and not give up, and not give up. Life is messy. So self-compassion can be known or experienced in many different ways, from the release of holding on that feels like we've put down a heavy burden and we can finally breathe easily again. Mm -hmm. It's like, just relax. Relax, we don't have to be all the things we thought we had to be. It's that feeling of letting go, of just putting putting down, of just meeting ourselves as enough in the moment. It's as though we, we have fallen out of our lifeboat in some way or off of our balance beam, you see, and we're able to climb back into the lifeboat or get back onto the balance beam. It can be known in that way. It can also be known as waves of soothing, beautiful, warm and fuzzy compassion energy that fills us up with the embodied experience of love. That's what compassion is. That's what self-compassion is. And it's healing. So there are things that we can do and ways that we are able to cultivate cultivate access to the awareness of self-compassion, but the practices are not to be confused with the known experience of self-compassion itself. So there are practices that we can engage that will allow us to recognize self-compassion. Those practices are important and vital and beautiful, but they are not the actual embodied experience of self-compassion itself. Over time, or in the end, we finally come to see that we really can't make ourselves feel or be kind or compassionate to ourselves. And as I've worked with people, I hear over and over again, if if I could just be more compassionate, things would be different. If I could just feel more compassion when I'm when I'm triggered or agitated or I angry about if I could just see it's like this idea of making ourselves be something that David was pointing to in, in his beautiful talk. You see, all that making, all that striving, all that stress-making is actually an obscuration, a block to compassion or to self-compassion. So we come to know instead that these behaviors or beliefs or activities or mind states are what create the conditions for self compassion to be known directly as a embodied experience. These create the conditions in which compassion can arise and can be known. And we recognize that those very behaviors and activities of mind and body are what we can cultivate as a skillful means to awaken and bring forth the quality of true self-care. Of self respect, of self consideration, self consideration, of self compassion. And in doing so, we can connect with and access this quality in its full fruition. Compassion is innate, we don't make ourselves be compassionate. We simply access this quality within ourselves. The way that we describe it comes after the pre-verbal experience of actually experiencing it, feeling it in some way. And this is true. I encourage you to check that out in your own life. I have. Just as it's true for me, and I'm going to... (laughs) <laughs> go out on a limb and say, I think it's true for you. It's also true for everybody else too. Self-compassion, the quality of self-compassion is closer than your next breath. And it's, elus- and it's as elusive, elusive as trying to own or catch hold of a cloud. it is what will carry us through the challenges of our life from day to day and moment to moment it's how we meet the things that that trip us up with kindness you see if if this quality wasn't there <clears throat> we would be worn down by life so quickly because life gives us one obstacle after another to navigate around or over. So it's the transformative power of compassion that can change our perspectives and our beliefs, our unexamined biases, and it can open our hearts to ourselves and by extension to others as well. I loved what David said earlier. It's he referred to it as <laughs> he didn't actually label this as self-compassion, but this is he said it in another way, the kindness of allowing. The kindness of allowing. It doesn't of not excluding any part of your experience, even the things that we think we shouldn't be thinking or the things that we want to think and we're not able to think or feel or be. You see, Thanksgiving's coming and many of you have grandchildren and we have families and, you know, it's not really safe to get together with them and yes, COVID has given us times to be alone and, and see that aspect of, of our, you know, hanging out in our homes and, and so on and so forth. But it's also created conditions in which people are, you know, feeling separated and separate. So the kindness of allowing things to be as they are, as they truly are. He said, how nice to just let ourself and others be who they are. Just allowing yourself to be with the full spectrum of whatever you're feeling or thinking or wherever you are. I wanna say that um, you're enough, you're plenty, just the way you are. You don't have to be other than the way you are. So my friends, self-compassion is a quality that's worthy of your serious and focused attention. And some people believe that self-compassion is a prerequisite uh, for true compassion for others to awaken in us. There's this belief that if you're, if you can't be, if you can't love yourself or if you can't feel self-compassion or compassion for yourself, you can't really feel it for other people. And that seems to be uh, something that's a commonly held belief. So in my My personal experience, I don't think that that's actually true. I think that um, people can be really, really hard on themselves and not even know what self-compassion is like, and yet they can be compassionate towards other people. They can recognize and feel the suffering or the distress in others, and really wish and have the motivation to in some way hold or heal that suffering, to mitigate it or to alleviate that suffering. And, and they can't do that for themselves, but they can touch that quality, that pre-verbal quality that I was talking about, where the heart, <clears throat> where you connect literally with the heart of love Compassion is a expression of love in response to suffering. So where you connect directly with this place of love. And when you do that and you can feel that by extending that quality to other people, you can know that that quality is something that's available to yourself. Now, if you've spent a lifetime beating yourself up, it's not so easy. And we talk about judging and judging the judge. You know, one of my colleagues says it's not a judge. It's a damn Supreme Court of judges. It's in there that's, that's you know, cracking the whip and commenta- uh, commenting and criticizing everything that we do. So it's learning to not push that away, not try to pretend that that hasn't happened, but just to meet that moment and see, oh my God, this, this is tough, this hurts. And the just the recognition of that can open the heart, can awaken the heart. So I, I learned that, I was one of those people who just did not know that I wasn't able to be compassionate towards myself. And years ago, I volunteered to, um, to be, uh, a, a Zen hospice project, uh, caregiver. And David did that work. I know that some of you probably have done that work, but, uh, I, I recognized that there was this quality within myself where I really did want to help other people in some way. It was in its nascent form, but I I did recognize that this was something I wanted to do. And I did not recognize that I didn't have that same feeling towards myself, you see. But it was through doing that work and cultivating that quality and witnessing other people doing that for other people who were dying in the hospice. And the the way that the people received the care, the generosity and the appreciation, the appreciation, I want to say, for that generosity of heart, for that compassion, actually created the conditions within myself to become more and more familiar. And then I had many more years of beating the hell out of myself before I finally recognized, "Mm, you know, this is, this is a quality. If it's there for other people, what, what would it feel like to turn and face my own, my own moments of difficulty? And because the way that I dealt with that was that, It was those big, huge things that were so hard to touch and so off-limits for me that I didn't realize I could start small. I could start in moments where I got triggered by something. I wanted something, I didn't get it, or somebody said something that made me angry, or I said something that I wished I hadn't said, or I was embarrassed about and to just never mind getting caught in the story of whatever the situation was, but to actually go to that feeling where <clears throat> the heart contracts or I get, you know, unable to speak or the jaw clenches or whatever it is for you. And to just meet that moment, this is a moment and to just see it. And in the seeing there's the, there's a kind of relaxation that can begin to happen. So, so with these thoughts, I'm going to ask Chris to put you into breakout rooms, and we have about uh, twelve minutes, Chris. So maybe Actually, you could. 10, to-
1: they're, they're about uh, excuse me. They're they're about ten minutes till till twelve twenty five. So. Maybe an okay. open discussion might be better, on not
7: know. all right um all right so there's there's I have two prompts here, and uh one of them is what are some examples of how self compassion has shown up in your own life, and the second one you can talk about both or either or anything else you want to. What blocks the experience of self-compassion for you? Because it's, that's important. If we know what blocks us from feeling self-compassion, we might be able to access self-compassion. And it's not a one-off. This is something that grows over time. So Chris, if you would... um, send them off into their breakout rooms, and then we'll come back and have a few moments to discuss. So I think most of us are back. Chris, if you see people putting their hands up, would you call on them? And what I want to suggest to everyone is that um, if you go up to the upper right corner of your Zoom screen where it says view and you click on that, the drop down box will give you the choice of a speaker view or a gallery view and if you put it on the speaker view, you'll then be able to see whoever is, is um, speaking. So um, let's hear from a few people uh, what, what, what your experience was with this topic and what you spoke about in, in your small groups. how does self-compassion show up in your life or some examples of that or what are some of the things that block self-compassion? And please, please don't be shy. <laughs> What's true for you is true for everyone else. <laughs> and uh, we have a certain amount of time to share. So I'd really like the sharing to be uh, rich and forthcoming. So
0: Gail has her hand up. Go ahead.
7: Great. Gail. Great, Thanks.
0: Well, our group
3: was um, centering on what lacks compassion for us. And um, we, we all seem to um, um, talk about the judge as being <laughs> as being um, one of the blocks um, I think for me, a feeling of hurt would, will come up and rather than just stay with it, stay with the hurt, um, there'll be all kinds of thoughts about um, how I should be beyond it or I shouldn't let it get to me like this. or um, and, and then other people were talking about different voices, um, one of which says I... I don't deserve to be really compassionate with myself or, or another, which would say, Oh, I'm either selfish or I'm not selfish without me that we're that every, every moment something new different can come out and to, to, to have the thought in mind that we're either this or that, um, can can block the flowing of of, of experiencing and including self compassion. Um, so here's where impermanence really comes in handy. That <laughs> that just we don't have to define ourselves as anything because we're always in a new moment um, and selfish. Moments are bound to come up um, to various degrees, and uh, acceptance is a a lot of it. So um, that's the general theme that we were on. Thanks, Felicity.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of impermanence, huh? This is a skillful means. You see? We don't have to define ourselves in any moment. We just have to be with the moment and recognize that this is what's happening in the moment. And that itself gives access to self-compassion. We're not making ourselves be compassionate. We're just seeing what's happening and we access it in that way. That, that's the moment I was referring to. We have time for one more comment, and then we'll do a a five-minute break. I wish we had more time for the discussion here. but
0: Trudy has her hand up.
7: Trudy, please. You're on mute, dear. Trudy, you're on mute. There you go.
2: Uh, yeah I had uh, gallery view, so it was harder um yeah I just wanted to uh remark along the same line as Gail that um i, I well I'm happy that you mentioned uh Robert the difference between preparing for uh self uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> preparing for uh the process and actually experiencing it you did is that correct that you were uh, yes. mm-hmm. delineating yeah i think that's really important to to know when i actually experience self compassion that it's a different thing from getting ready and developing the uh proper stance and so on it's like the difference between the uh the map and the territory the map is right. not the territory yeah that's right so I want to thank you for bringing that up and I'm going to <clears throat> spend more time on the actual experience than mm-hmm. maybe I have been before so thank you
7: great thank you thank you um I, I, just as we we I wish that we had more time, but we want to give you a five minute bio break and um uh, and then we'll come back and Fiona will uh say some a few words uh with you uh, and uh Yeah, I feel bad because this is such a juicy, rich topic. I'd like to just be able to go on with it. But you can go on with it yourselves. You can go on with it yourselves. And just what Trudy said, to recognize that moment as different from that, which is the means that you cultivate those conditions for that moment to be known, knowing that if you know that you can really make a difference in the world because it's the same for everyone, every single one of us, that's the same. And we have billions of people who don't know that. And you all do now. (laughs) So I wish you a nice break and we'll see you in five minutes.
5: Well, um, I feel quite full with uh, David's talk on relaxing around self and being easeful. And um, Robert looking at self-compassion, that feeling, easing the heart uh, for oneself and sort of a gateway to also expressing Mm -hmm. compassion to others in our world. Um, I had been thinking uh, this last time, uh, I was very attuned a month ago when we, when we met about the change in the seasons and I've been thinking about, um, you know, we're moving into, you know, fall this last week or so here in the Bay Area. The fall has been quite beautiful, but it's so fleeting and we're moving into a darker time of winter in the season. And, um, what I read, I, I get a lot of inspiration daily from my insight timer, both meditation and the groups. And, um, about a week ago, there was a entry about Diwali, which I is not in our culture or my culture, but, uh, I wanted to share with you what this woman wrote. Um, she said, today is Diwali, the biggest festival in India. It means a lot to me because the entire family comes together to celebrate. I related to this because of Thanksgiving coming. Any family fights get patched up today. A practice my grandfather started that we still follow. Everyone participates in cooking traditional food. The best part is lighting clay lamps in the evening, symbolizing the end of darkness. This Diwali is different. I lost an uncle to COVID. My husband and I are stuck in different countries. And due to the current situation as a family, we decided not to travel to the family house for celebrations, so each one is celebrating individually in different countries, cities. Despite the usual cheer, I lit a lamp, hoping for better times, thanking for stability, things could have been worse, and honoring life. I hope Diwali illuminates everyone's life with happiness, peace, and prosperity. Namaskar. And she put this out to the Sangha, this virtual Sangha on Insight Timer. Um, And I just looked up Diwali on Wikipedia, and it said it symbolizes the virtual victory of light over darkness, good over evil, and knowledge over ignorance. And um, that image of lighting, lighting the light, you know, um, I told my small group the other day I was sitting in meditation, you know, holding this, this subject of darkness and light. And this song from Sunday school came up. And I don't dare try to sing it at this point. But it was, as a child, we loved this song. And it was, this little light of mine. And it was, a, we'd hold up our fingers, a candle, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And uh, then, you know, it was, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And all around the neighborhood, I'm going to let this light shine. And um, I ended up laughing, you know, while I was sitting on the cushion. It, it filled me with such happiness and joy to remember these words. I, I must have been nine or 10, you know, we learned this song. And I felt the lighting of this candle, these, this spark, this light, and feeling the same thing, both in Gill's talking about really relaxing into the self. What is there? What is this essential goodness deep down deeper than personality deeper than our life story um, what is this sense of home and that home of the sense of light and how to relax enough to just share it you know um, to tap into it and um You know, it's still early. We've got a month away now before solstice. But next weekend, in my root spiritual, I was raised a Protestant, and um, and they would talk about Advent. Okay. Um, so this was the four weeks before this big celebration of Christmas in December. But it really struck me as a child. um. It was lighting the candles. So the first Sunday of Advent was you light this candle, and each following Sunday you would add a candle so there would be more and more light. And it was not emphasized, but it's this deep tradition in the West to actually go inside and look in this time of increasing darkness to discover that light inside. You know, what... What is that sustaining, inspiring light that um, that we can turn to, um, relax into, and feel as our deepest home? Um, and I want to read two a poem um, on darkness. It's by John O'Donohue. This is the time to be slow. Lie low to the wall until the better weather passes. Try as best you can not to be, or not to let the wire brush of doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous, time will come good and you'll find your feet again on fresh pastures of promise where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. And I feel that around the garden in nature I've put the garden to bed for the winter you know it was all this exuberance and life and harvest and you know now all the beds are cleaned up dark I've planted seeds nothing's happening It's just all very quiet. Um, I don't know if you can see this. I'm going to hold this illustration. I saw this a year ago. Um, It was at the solstice time, and it's the roots of a tree. And under the roots, they're the animals sleeping or the light deep down in the roots. This little girl She's reading. She's going deep down in the roots and feeling safe and at home in the light, underground. And I love this image in the garden. This is the time where our roots go down. This time we're entering um, into the end of fall, beginning of winter, really setting our roots down deep and and maybe relaxing into the shorter days and the longer nights. Um, Sort of trusting how nature goes in these cycles in our life, too. You know, um, we have these cycles. Um, Activity and then retreat and and this has been this one big retreat the last coming up nine months. And how to um, really trust and cultivate our roots going deeper down and, and finding new ways to approach a holiday or the holidays. What does this mean? Um, you know, lighting, lighting the light, lighting the candles of Advent, or the, the oil lamps of Diwali, or the candles at a Thanksgiving gathering. Trusting that light.
2: And,
5: uh, and bear with me, there was this writing from my Insight Timer group's This is the last, uh, I was going to read it last month, and I just was so touched. This was written by a fellow from northern Canada. Like so many of us, this has been a challenging year for me. Challenging and fulfilling, uncomfortable and free wrought with triumph and loss, exhilaration, and deep sadness. Such is life, really. Every year offers a plethora of experiences and a wide range of emotion to go with each one. Moments, however, and their relative emotions seem rather amplified this year. Remaining vigilant and disciplined through tragedy has, at times, seemed counterintuitive, yet we prevail. As winter lies before us, it can feel for me that it's too much. Darkness descends, and with it cold and ever-increasing physical strain. It feels as though there is a great mountain looming over me. And there's no way out of its shadow. When there's no pass and the summit is impossible, only one choice remains. I must move the mountain. How exactly does one move a mountain? By picking up a rock is how. One stone at a time. And when I get caught up in the enormity of the task, When I feel the job is simply too big, I have lost my way. It is then that I have forgotten that this moment is all there is. It is then that I've forgotten there is no mountain. Just this one stone that is in front of me. My job is simply to move one stone and that I can do. Winter looms. This morning, snow begins to fall on a dark and lonely Alberta highway. Flashing amber lights. It's a convoy of combines. As they turn down a gravel road, I know That a community of farmers have joined together to harvest a neighbor's field before it is buried in snow. As my weary spirit stoops to pick up another rock, I know that a community of beautiful spirits stoop with me. I know that you are here to remind me that it's just one rock, that this moment is all there is. And for that I love you here now. Both these voices to me the woman sharing her Diwali, and the man from Northern Canada speaking. To this Sangha reached through technology but felt so deeply in their hearts the support of practice delving deep and trusting our hearts and sharing that was so touching to me And I loved Robert saying, What a beautiful Sangha we are cultivating here. Nourishing our roots, taking the time, listening to each other, and um, hopefully remembering to light this inner light that is our home and our deepest inspiration. So I thank you all. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. so I would like to just uh, sort of uh, extend Robert's wish that our own developing our sense of self and self-compassion is a gift to us and to those we meet and to the greater world can move forward trusting our hearts, trusting our true selves just to be natural and to be open. So blessings to you all.
7: Thank you, everyone.
5: Thank you. Thank
7: Thank you you for coming. Thank you. Nice to see you, Barb. (laughs) Nice to see all of you.
0: Thank
7: you. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see yes. you in a month. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh,
2: all right. Be
7: well, be happy, be safe. Really be safe. <laughs> we love you all.